This is the full interview from a segment from the Overdrive radio and podcast program. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au. The Super Bowl is big, like many things that are American. But America has yet to fully learn that big is not necessarily beautiful. Ads in the Super Bowl this year, 2024, cost the equivalent of about 10 million Aussie dollars for just one 30-second spot. Car companies have ventured into this hallowed advertising territory, but this year only four plus one with a sort of off-road, pure off-road vehicle are taking that opportunity. It is a national christening of corporate iconography, a different species in the advertising kingdom. How does it then reflect on the car companies that have chosen to participate? Well, as we have done in the past, who better to talk about the zeitgeist of the times and whether these ads fit in well than our good friend Brian Smith. Go, Brian. G'day, David. We have talked about this in the past, and I think in the past there were quite a number of them that were very heavily on nationalism, weren't there? Yes, yes, definitely kind of um, flag and country kind of stuff in the past, making that emotional connection between the brand, uh, the car brand, and then some element of uh, you know, legendary American history, cowboys, you know, rugged individualism, etc., and military. Some years back when they were in the war fighting in Afghanistan, that's when they had pictures of people being reunited after a term of military service and things like that. Mm. There was also that intense Americanism. Bob Dylan was had that great line, there's nothing more American than America. <laughs> it was advertising the Jeep. Yes. Now it's much more about celebrities, really, isn't it? It is, David. And, and the interesting thing I saw among all of the ads was – they represent brands that were not American icons, but probably adversaries during World War II. <laughs> so um, BMW, VW, Germans, right? Kawasaki, Toyota, the Japanese. I think the only one that didn't hit that was uh, Kia as a Korean company, but um, I guess the, there was the Korean War. So uh, perhaps they're trying to <laughs> trying to uh, <laughs> apologise or, or get get some kind of uh, recognition that they're they're not the enemy as the American companies kind of fled the field in a sense. But yes, you're right about celebrities. Although uh, one or two of the celebrities, I was like, I don't know who this is. This is American stuff. Yes, American nonsense. I. I don't know, need to know about this. Well, it is very much for American marketing. It was apparently played out here, but the ads were local ads and fairly yes. boring at the time too. But it's really maybe publicising the celebrity more than the product. Certainly the BMW one, David, with Christopher Walken. BMW is really just a bookends. You know, he talks about the vehicle at the start and then it's a constant stream of people doing his voice to the end. So it's a weird connection to make. Someone in writing a review of it said that they had to Google back in to find out which was the company that did it because they'd lost track of it. I've got some sound grabs here. It is Christopher Walken saying that it's got to be the real deal, and then he meets a series of people, such as the person delivering coffee at a fast food drive through Of course. Enjoy your coffee. He acts in a tolerant but somewhat peeved way, doesn't he? 
And then he gets the lady yes. who's walking her dog and turns to him when he's got his dog and says, Your dog's so cute. Yeah. Ooh, so adorable. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then finally he gets it with the waiter in the restaurant. Hello, Mr. Walken. Does this table work for you? At that stage, uh, Walken says, yeah, and, and, and someone picks up at another table that he's used one of his standard sort of expressions. He's a little bit like the modern-day equivalent of Jimmy Stewart, isn't he? Yes, yes, that unusual phrasing. But, of course, the person at the table is Usher, a global music superstar who was performing at the Super Bowl. So the whole ad was a delivery of the oh-wow element of, gosh, there's Usher. You lose track of what the ad is about, the theme of the real deal, and then a whole bunch of people pretending to be Walker, not necessarily pretending, but doing his voice, like mimicking him. It goes nowhere. There's no payoff at the end, right? The payoff is here's, a, here's another star that we've just seen for five seconds, which we're supposed to be amazed by. Well, he does try to get back to the real deal. This is the final voiceover, which is not even Walken himself. There's only one Christopher Walken and only one ultimate driving machine. There's only one Christopher Walken and one ultimate driving machine. He doesn't even mention the name. <laughs> That's right. And it's mentioned it's that it's 100% electric at the very beginning. And again, there's no payoff to that. There's no demonstration why that would be any better. Whereas the key ad, which is bewildering from the beginning, uh, you know, the the empty seat at the girls' uh, ice skating display. This is the classic emotional thing, isn't it? Young girl doing very, very well in an ice skating competition, looks very briefly over her shoulder, her dad's there smiling, but the seat beside is empty. Yes, and I thought it's the classic Disney movie thing of the trope of the girl's mother has died. But, of course, it's not the mother. And it's not dead. It, sorry. Yes. It, it, it's grandfather. So the Kia drives out through the snow and ice to where grandfather is sitting, I think, in a wheelchair. Very briefly, you see that. And then she does her act on the pond that's covered in ice outside. And he writes the 10 on the, the frosted window, the, the condensation on the window. But, of course, the point is that the, the lighting is provided by the Kia, the Kia's vehicle-to-load technology. So Dad plugs in the music system and plugs in the lights on the Kia. So, so the whole thing is, is set up to kind of sell one tiny part of that car. And the question I had at the end was, was Grandad hit by a car? How did he become crippled? <laughs> I thought they raised him from the dead. Stand back, power. <laughs> and use the batteries. Well, at least the paddles at the very least. Frankenstein style. <laughs> it's alive. And, of course, they missed the opportunity with the EV9 to make the score a nine, which, of course, would have been churlish on, on the part of the grandfather. Disrespectful grandfather. It was undercovered by this music. which really was all very sentimental. So another thing I picked up on, David, with the Kia ad is it's a people mover, yet there is only the father and daughter. <laughs> it's the rest of the kids. Are they all dead? I think someone needs to be asking the father some questions here. Where's the mother? It's a seven-seater, and there's just one child in there. 
The only support crew are male. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> this Kia ad and even the characters that were in the BMW with Christopher Walken were young, but Volkswagen is really just pushing the age, surely. Yes, yes, it's sort of history and heritage. And this one made me laugh, David, and not because they wanted me to laugh. It's about VW's place in American history, yet it opens in 1949. And the immediate question is, I wonder what was happening five or so years before that with VW? <laughs> Why did they start at 1949? And, and the other thing that struck me, David, that this love affair with VW that America supposedly has, I don't know that there was ever a love affair. They showed the, a lot about the early Beatle and people sort of running and looking at it and being amused, uh, uh, amazed by it. But for me, the VW, early VWs, were just some unusual, quirky thing. It's a bit like a, seeing an old Citroen and going, what the hell is that? That's It was so different to every other kind of American car. And I don't believe that there was a love affair. People possibly mocked it more than, than loved it. And I think the only other vehicle that they sort of showed in terms of the love affair was the Combi. As a, as a sort of a beach vehicle. But again, it's revisionism. I don't know that lots of Americans other than hippies embraced the Beetle and embraced the, the Combi. The Combi, I thought, had greater potential mm. that a free spirit, possibly people within an age of buying a car because they wanted to rather than a, a little Beetle like every runabout car, Ford Prefect or whatever. It's affordable. Mm. In the past, Fiat 500, I mean, they, they had kids. Ron Howard, the once star, now director, still has his original Beetle. I think there are some that do it. But it's not a universal American love affair with this vehicle. I mean, Herbie the love bug, yeah, okay, ah. that they, they showed a snippet from that, and, it, and that was a, a much-loved movie in that it had some sequels like Almost every American movie has a whole series of sequels. But but the other thing that struck me, David, is they showed a child in a Darth Vader mask. And again, there's that connection with evil, right? It's the baddie. <laughs> they didn't show a Kubler wagon. That's it. sort of a military <laughs> stuff. Maybe that would have been going too far. That's <laughs> what was VW famous for back then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, Brian, you mentioned Herbie. I don't see that as being a modern, trendy thing. Oh, gosh, no. The 60s, maybe that still has a great aura around it, possibly more to do with love, peace, sex and drugs and rock and roll. But Herbie, yeah. Herbie was the sort of thing that you embarrassingly put up on your 40th birthday <laughs> as a, along with flares. History revisionism, David. I think it was. I think they're, they're trying to recreate a, a history and a connection that was never really there. Is that because a lot of Volkswagens now really look rather bland? I think it's also, David, that they cheated on emission controls. And I think maybe they're trying to overcome in the world of sort of zero emission and electrification, which they didn't touch on at all, right? Barely. They're modern stuff. But I think maybe they're trying to sort of win back their place as a trusted brand with an emotional connection. So old people, you'd be right though, David. Like who's who's the market here? People who remember that stuff in the 60s, people who are 60 years old or 70 years old or even earlier for the VWs in you know, the early 50s. These are ancient people now. Are they buying cars? Is, is someone going to be wanting to buy a VW because people dance the jitterbug near it? 
<laughs> Misguided for mine, but hilarious in the fact that it starts in 1949 without any acknowledgement of what happened before with VW. It gets even deeper than that because the background music, and I'll just play a little. But I got an emptiness deep inside and I tried, but it won't let me go. It is Neil Diamond singing I Am, I Said. And I'm not a man who likes to swear, but I never cared for the sound of being alone. Great song. Fantastic emotional connection song. Again, I, I, I don't understand how it relates to VW. It is a profoundly emotional song, but about loneliness. Yes. Let me quote one of the uh, choruses. So it's, there's two choruses. I am, I said, to no one there, and no one heard at all, not even the chair. Now, you know, the chair is actually, I believe, a reference to a psychologist, psychiatrist, mm. that he was getting therapy. And then chorus two is, I am, I said, said I, I am lost and I can't even say why, leaving me lonely still. What's the connection, David? It's, it's you know, it, it obviously it's a it's a song that they want to make people feel emotion that they then connect to the images that they're seeing. But you're right if you if you analyse the lyrics, which I guarantee no American <laughs> ever has ever done. What's a lyric? <laughs> if they follow that, it would be an incredibly confusing message. Look at it even further. LA's fine, the sun shines most of the time, and the feeling is laid back. This is words. This is from there. Palm trees grow and rents are low. Well, that's hardly relevant today, <laughs> is it? <laughs> that's right. Yes. It's unattainable, David. Yearning for an unattainable past. The Volkswagen ad that I saw went for two minutes. Yes, it's a very long ad, isn't it? I didn't watch the... The uh, I nearly called it gridiron. That would be wrong, wouldn't it? I didn't watch the football game, and of course I didn't see it telecast in America, so I wouldn't have seen the ads anyway. Are they telling me they paid $40 million to run a two-minute ad? Yeah, this is the amazing thing. that uh, We were discussing this before, weren't we, David, about um, you know, do they actually – do these ads work, like to, to raise the profile of the, of the brand? I'll touch on that. Let's just talk about Toyota, the t Tacoma. Ah, the Tacoma. I hated this ad, David. I hated it. This is someone scaring the hell out of a passenger. Exactly. Lots of passengers, wives, loved ones, friends, who are – the whole story of the ad is is the, the handle by the door that, that people grab onto when they're scared. And um, and it's it's they're trying to make a hilarious note of scaring the crap out of your – uh, passenger with dangerous driving. Here's a couple of the grabs that say what it's about. Introducing the most powerful Tacoma ever. Shut the front with door! The shut the front door handle. Also known as the Seriously Wrong, Seriously wrong handle. Or the Whoa, 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 Whoa handle. Standard on the all new Toyota Tacoma. Each one of those is tearing through the environment, although most of it's desert rather than necessarily a, a rainforest. I think if it were a rainforest, they might strike a rather discordant note. That wouldn't work. But have you ever watched 
a family going four-wheel driving and you notice that the passengers get tossed around badly. Yes. If it's meant to be a unifying activity for all those who are involved, then going hell for leather ain't the way to do it. No, David, and, and it's, it's, it's everything wrong with American car culture and, to an extent, Australian car culture when it comes to four-wheel drives and uh, crew cab utes of this aggressive driving, this sort of masculine driving. There's no woman driving this car. It's a man and at one part of it scaring the devil out of their girlfriend or partner and having a laugh about this. You know, this is hilarious <laughs> that she's holding on to this thing for dear life because she's frightened for her life. Ugly masculinity on the on the thing. And, and you know that I hate these ads that blast through the environment, David, splashing through rivers and throwing up dust and, and sand. I detest that. They call it the dareful handle, dareful handle. Of course, uh, others, of course, no, have called it the Jesus bar, but they weren't brave enough to go in that direction. Yeah. yeah. In many ways, it might have been represented, not blasphemy, but a, a plea, a prayer for someone to act their age. Yeah. Toyota also had the Land Cruiser Prado. Now, this is where they had an ad where Eli Manning, who apparently is a footballer, keeps stumbling into the ad at inappropriate times. This is where it is a celebrity, but it is one that is um, self-deprecating in a way because Manning apparently has, it's been documented, he's had 125 fumbles in his career. And so this was a case of reflecting those fumbles by coming into the ad when he wasn't meant to be there. Did it gel to you, Brian? No, I switched off. I, I didn't know who he was. And uh, I didn't know whether the reviewer was the famous one and whoever this other buffoon was. But uh, I like the way that no useful information was imparted at all in the ad because of the interruptions. So far from a review of the vehicle, it, uh, it left me wanting a lot more, David. But I, I hated it and I didn't, I didn't engage at all with it. I didn't give a crap about any of the people there. I think they've made some other ads with him where the guy is a little bit more... I don't want you in this ad because you you made such a mess of you you know footballing, saying things like it's an electric vehicle. Ah, says the Eli, the football player. I'm an electric player, and he said, well, I think the electric player is the person who receives your throw when throw the ball. Ah, says Eli, it takes two to make electricity flow, and the the ad guy says, yes, a positive and a negative, and so it gets back to this self-deprecating thing. But the point about it is it does push the opportunity to continue the storyline in other ads, which can be put to air at a cheaper price. Finally, Brian, you don't like this beetling through the environment. <laughs> Kawasaki's Ridge, which is a side-by-side. -side. Now, what that means is two people sit in the front and there's a little ute thing out the back, but it is not for going on the road, it is typically like a farm vehicle, but they link it to the mullet. Can you see how? I couldn't, David, I, unless it, the, at the very end they say business up front, party out the back, I guess to sort of say, hey, there's a passenger side at the front and then there's this ute, ute part at the back that I don't know how, what the party is. They, they blast through the bush, they come across a, a fallen tree, 
They use magically acquired chainsaws to then cut the wood up and stack it in the back of their vehicle on the way they go. And they sort of blast past some other people doing very macho things. And as they go past, the people that they go past uh, suddenly sporting mullets, as are the folk inside. I, I don't associate mullets with desirable attributes. And I guess maybe American sporting fans do. I know every rugby league player seems to have a hideous please don't employ me in a normal job mullet <laughs> but but it's not you know it's not a desirable thing it's it's more sort of an anti anti-social but it's kind of like a don't care about what people think of me kind of haircut it's a person that picks their seat you know their underpants out of their <laughs> their bum in the in public sort of thing isn't it it it's shorts and thongs it's yeah it's boganism david i think you put it but it did have a very big character in there i oh, did it yeah, the Stone Cold Austin, Steve Austin. Steve Austin. See, again, American nonsense. Sure, it might connect with them, some washed up. And a wrestler, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin is a wrestler in the sense that it's theatre. It's not wrestling. It's it's what they call kayfabe, which is phony wrestling activities. It's not even as if he's a legit sort of sports person. He's just an actor who wears tights and sort of throws other people around. But <laughs> it, 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 was, it was one of those, uh, for me, it was, okay, this is for Americans. I guess maybe they might know these people. Though, David, the whole look and feel, you could have run this in Australia, this ad, and dubbed it with Australian accents, and, and you, wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have needed to change anything else. Maybe an early Johnny Farnham singing something in the background. Sadie, the cleaning lady. Now, let's just touch on, we, we have said that it hasn't been very successful. Now, surveys have shown that between 80 and 90% of ads wash over audience Super Bowl ads and don't make any of them, any of the people, more likely to buy the product on display. However, in all fairness, 80 to 90%, that's for, you know, 10 to 20 million people, are still likely to. So, I mean, the numbers are enormous. But a 2013 study, and I love this, it's from a person from Stanford Graduate School of Business and uh, someone, Daniel Clapper, from Humboldt University in Berlin. I love how people around the world are using this as an example of something. And their point was that beer and soda companies uh, get null or insignificant effect on revenue. But there's a problem because Coca-Cola advertises and so does Pepsi. So maybe you're just advertising to cancel out the other. I believe they call that the prisoner's dilemma. <laughs> if you weren't there, then you might lose a little bit. But it's a little bit like a cricket test being a draw. Is that a waste of time? I don't know. At least you didn't lose. But it's not likely to be a major difference. But the research clearly shows that there are cases where it can have an effect when there's a, almost a surprise element about what they're announcing. Oh, something new, David. Like it's a launch. A study of 47 Super in 2014 found large spikes in search traffic for things like new films, Captain America and Super 8. But it wasn't just a peak in searching, you know, like, do you remember the ad? Yes. But it was actually 70 films between 2004 and 2014 found that their movies got a bleep, a bump of about 8.4 million 
and that was around the time. It varied a bit, of course, when it was costing about $3 million for a Super Bowl ad. However, the $8.4 million isn't pure profit, so you can't just pay off the advertising. And the $3 million to advertise doesn't have production costs in there. Oh, yeah, it's just a slot, right? How much you pay for the slot. Yeah, so while those numbers, you know, one number is bigger than the other, I'm not sure that necessarily represents value for money. But the one that really did quite well was a lesser-known musician. Apparently in 2012, there was a Chevy commercial, and it included the song We Are Young. That's interesting. Volkswagen probably uh, (laughs) didn't want to play that one. It was a relatively unknown New York band. Apparently, they were called Fun. That's a bit like Herbie, isn't it? But nonetheless, a few weeks later, it was number one song in the country for more than a month, apparently, according to The Atlantic. The surprise or the unusual. What, what was the one that really did it, of course, was Ness and Dorma, not with the Super Bowl, but with the World Cup. Yes, but the song. When, yes. when someone heard... Pavarotti singing that, they went in and said, what's that song at the soccer game? Mm. Your point was technology, though, wasn't it? I mean, Beyonce, she's behind Verizon or something. I don't know what that is. And she basically was plugging her upcoming album. Yeah, yeah. One long-time advertising media industry analyst said many of the ads this year played it so safe they boarded on dull. That's the point, isn't it, that if you're advertising at the Super Bowl – it has to be a spectacle because people do watch Super Bowl for the ads, right? They, oh, yes, yeah. People who aren't interested in the football will watch for the ads. So it's got to be spectacular and unusual. There's also an element of your brand is big enough to advertise on the Super Bowl. So you, 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 you sort of – you have gravitas associated with it. And, and it's, it's kind of become ritual as well that, that there will be good ads on the Super Bowl – but I don't think it, it's – I would imagine many people would remember the ad but not remember the brand, that there was an ad, a Super Bowl ad, it was funny and it had Christopher Walken in it and Usher, a bit of a surprise there. What was it for? I don't know. They were just making fun of Christopher Walken and that's quite amusing, isn't it? Right. So it's that stuff that I think even though they may not directly make money from the ad that they're you – know, in terms of people buying their product – but I think it's it's about maintaining that presence and, as you said, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, which one will blink and not make an ad and then that's that's the, the news for the next month. Which one will blink, I think is right. And notice, of course, that the Ford nor GM were there and, as I say, there are really only four car brands. It's not really enormous. But to take your point, one advertising person said that in terms of the celebrities, the marketers did a lot more entertaining and less marketing and selling, Hmm. and it was really pushing the celebrities. And by the way, they say Ben Affleck reportedly got $10 million on last year's Super Bowl ad, so who knows what he got this time. So if you're going to sell your soul, you might as well do it there and make as much money as possible. Well, I mean, Christopher, you say celebrity. Christopher Walken's an interesting character, but you wouldn't call him a, a sort of a, a really like a celebrity. He's an 80-year-old man. He was looking old too, wasn't he? He's not really a, a celebrity in the way that Taylor Swift is a celebrity, right? Like no. like, like Taylor Swift, you know, you, you're talking billions of people who follow her every move. Christopher Walken's very quirky, very 
alternative and edgy. You know, he's, he's not in a lot of mainstream stuff. And, in fact, if you see him in a film, you go, this is an interesting film. I might watch this because Walken does interesting stuff. But, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call him a classic celebrity in the way that, you know, a major sporting figure or Usher, in who's in his ad, is probably a bigger name by far than Walken. Did you know it was Usher or did you, did you read that in a report? The ad was said featuring Usher. <laughs> <laughs> they, even, they even advertised it, David, as being... Uh... Then the Walken ad might well be the thing of Americans feeling they can get part of that celebrity by imitating them. Yes. Yeah. That party trick where someone always imitates Seinfeld or, or someone like that, that's a little shtick. Yeah. And, and really the characters, and I mean, Walken looked very old. He, was, he did not look... Athletic in any sense. Sprightly, yeah. <laughs> he looked happy in some cases, but then again, he's 80 and he's probably making a lot of money. But it was playing with celebrity in the way that I imitate them, so look at me. That sort of real deal thing, I guess, links to the, the imitation side that, you know, you don't bother buying these other brands that are trying to be like BMW, have the real thing. And I guess then the, uh, you know, that idea of, you know, people... Doing voices um, makes a bit of sense, but again, Usher just appears there as a sort of a MacGuffin. You know, I don't know why he's there. He's just pops up, and and, and that's the connection, I guess, with the Super Bowl because Walker says to him, "Shouldn't you be someplace else?" So it links it all together. So it it, it is grasping at the strings of image that are part of the Super Bowl and tries to cash in on that. They're all cashing in, aren't they, David? Cash in. I think that's the word. Whether we do it well or not is another thing. Brian, I enjoyed our conversation and I feel that we have sampled and put our fingers on the pulse of what might ought to be a dying body. Thank you, David. <laughs> Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Bye. And that's our good friend Brian Smith, who is a transport planner, but also one who watches the things of the world very closely. Overdrive is a radio and podcast program featuring road tests, interviews and features on motoring and transport. More information is available at drivenmedia.com.au and podcasts on Spotify or iTunes.